0: And that's why I believe in you, because that is the greatest purpose. It's to love. Honest. It sounds corny. Whatever you want to say, I don't care. I love people because there is freedom and power in loving people.
1: Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we have the crazy belief that creating success and happiness is a daily conscious effort which is why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. I'm your host, Brandon Beecham, and each and every Wednesday, you can tune in to hear me interview a different consciousness changemaker that is out there working tirelessly to help catalyze change and expand awareness all across Spaceship Earth. On the other four weekdays, you can tune in to myself and my co-host, Dalian, giving interpretations of our favorite thought-provoking quotes, sharing a bit of inspiring or mysterious news, taking questions from the audience and digging into any other mind expansive topics that will help keep your soul fed by tuning you in to positive vibrations on a regular basis. All right, all you positive heads welcome back to another episode of the positive head podcast. I am your host Brandon Beecham. I have my co-host Dalian the alien here sitting across from me <laughs> looking rather alien today <laughs> with some very red eyes Dalian are you uh have you been partaking in uh, certain herbal remedies or are you uh, just having allergy allergic reactions?
2: <laughs> uh, maybe one. Or the other of the two. Maybe both. all of the above. Um Or maybe my alien eyes are of a beautiful but uh, you know,
1: odd red color to you humans. To you and, humans, uh, <laughs> you mean <mere> immortals. <laughs> you humans. We actually knew a guy one time who uh, he literally said that with a straight face to me. It's one of the funniest things that's ever happened. Uh, this guy looked at me and goes, you humans like things like reality television. Yeah, <laughs> he, he pretty much meant it. Was he thing. pretty much meant it. This guy was, uh, yeah, I won't use names or anything, but uh, yeah, it was. it was definitely a highlight. Definitely a funny, funny moment. So... Um, Let's see here. What is going on today, my friend? Um, We had some reviews, woke up to some reviews. As you guys know, I get very excited when I start my day and check out iTunes and someone has some good feedback or an email. Um, It definitely helps to... Sort of complete uh, the circle, as I like to put it. You know, this is definitely a labor of love, uh, this podcast. And getting any kind of positive feedback from you guys means the world. It definitely fuels us to continue doing what we're doing. And uh, yeah, so thank you for taking the time. It also helps us to reach new listeners when you uh, review on iTunes and and so forth. Uh, So this particular review was from Nicole Y. And it's uh, very short and sweet. Positive vibes, good research behind the subjects. I like their voices. So uh, thank you so much, Nicole, for taking the time. Um, this one, definitely a little bit longer, but um, really, really awesome, really... Um brought a big smile to my face it's from uh one and uh let me read it to you guys it said this podcast has opened my eyes to what the universe has to offer every weekday i look forward to hearing brandon and dalian touch on so many interesting topics that have changed my perspective on life for the better january 1st 2016 started off as the worst year of my life as i lost my 25 year old brother to suicide that day My brother struggled with depression for many years, and I've seen firsthand how awful the disease can be. For the past few years, I have been a big fan of spiritual teachers such as Eckhart Tolle and Marianne Williamson, and this podcast fits right in with the positive impact that people can have, such as Brendan and Dalian do with this podcast. The podcast that really hit home uh, to me was the one on synchronicity since my brother's passing I've been seeing overwhelming signs from the universe one of these signs has been seeing threes everywhere to give you an example the first few months after my brother passed I was walking up at 333 or 133 I was waking up at 333 or 133 every single night and I still occasionally do I also notice frequently when I look at the clock I see a 33 at the end uh, of the time no matter what time it is even today, while waiting in line at Starbucks, I was thinking about how excited I was. Uh, tomorrow is Monday because I get to listen to another episode of the show. And after paying with my Starbucks card, I was told I owe 33 cents. It brought a big smile to my face. After listening to some of your episodes uh, touch upon the other side and how synchronous, uh, synchronicity works, it has given me insight that seeing these patterns is so very special and reassuring Assuring. Brandon and Dalian, please keep doing what you're doing because your episodes have had such a positive impact despite the devastating year it has been. I know I am not the only one struggling with tragic loss and as much as your podcast has helped me, I ensure you, you are helping so many others as well. I make sure to spread the positivity and mention to my friends and family what a great podcast this is and... That they have to start listening. Much love, Mary Ann. So wow, what a cool, uh, <laughs> what a cool, lengthy, heartfelt review, Mary Ann. Thank you so much for taking the time to share. And uh, yeah, what a thing to go through. I mean, losing your 25 year old brother. I cannot imagine uh, a loss like that. The closest for me was actually uh, my brother's ex-girlfriend was in her early 20s uh you know maybe seven years ago or so and and committed suicide and that was absolutely devastating for my brother in our family it still to this day has an effect and um you know i, I i'm so happy to hear that you're finding peace with uh, the process and you know i i heard it put one time that This life is like, you know, if someone commits suicide or leaves, it's like sort of getting up out of a movie theater that they don't want to see anymore and they leave. (laughs) They're like, it's just a movie. It's just a projection. I know it means everything to us as we're here. It seems to be, you know, it seems to be everything. And if you can just understand that, you know, certainly there's still a lot of pain there to deal with, but it's, I think it minimizes it when you think, okay, this is just a dream God once had and you know, yes, it's super painful to be left behind, especially in those circumstances, but the story goes on and uh, there will be healing and there will be a uh, sort of redemption from that process. And I think if people who have dealt with tragedy, especially a huge tragedy like this, can sort of bring that perspective, not to say it makes it all rosy and wonderful, but it certainly can help to ease the pain, I would say.
2: Yes, definitely. A review like that, Brandon, is just one of these ones that, brings it all home really makes it all real. uh, The fact that we are reaching out and of course, you know, being uh, definitely brave enough to put a part of ourselves out there and, uh, you know, bear our souls in a, in a sense. Right. But uh, yeah, it's just, you know, when people say your podcast is playing a huge role in my life because of X, you know, and the circumstances Mm -hmm. are something like, like this, of course, it's something that I relate to also because of my family history um, as you have indicated, your your brother's uh, experiences one of the closest and most dramatic examples of suicide. Um, but uh, it it runs in my family, unfortunately, a, a little bit of a suicidal streak or you know problem with a suicidal depression mm-hmm. uh, in in my dad's side of the family. Mm-hmm. So so because a couple of members there have attempted, including my 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 dad and uh, my grandmother, his right, mom committed suicide. So, so it's affected me, it's touched me, it's, it's something that I've struggled with, but uh, a little differently. For example, my grandmother, she uh, killed herself when I was uh, very young. So it was a long, long time ago, and uh, it was just uh, sort of a different circumstance in the sense that it was, um, I suppose you could say understood because she, um, you could say because of the circumstance. I, I could go into detail and kind of explain that, but. Yeah, and also a little different from, of course, a very young person, uh, you know, killing themselves, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just something that's, of course, tragic, but it can also be one of these things that opens the door to a, the whole di- uh, spiritual dimension of life. And I don't know in my case, for me, my struggle has been sort of, sort of a propelling factor. My having to deal with this has been, I could say, he, in, in a sense, responsible for me finding my spiritual path.
1: Right. So, yeah. right, right, yeah, and of course, it, this leads. Uh, Parlays very well into the topic that we wanted to discuss today, which is forgiveness, because, you know, of course, when you're left behind by someone that you love dearly, like a sibling or, you know, parent or grandparent, and they've sort of checked out. And, you know, of course, this can be viewed as such a selfish act and there's so much pain left behind and and anger oftentimes. And when you can take the perspective of everything is happening in divine order, even if it seems chaotic, even if it seems painful, even if it's, you know, um, this awful uh, event like a suicide, um, it's, uh, it, it, helps to bring the right perspective and, and that is everything to, um, you know, to, to cure, you know, and help to heal the pain. Because if you're, if you're, if you're angry, uh, it's continuing, you're continuing to suffer, you're continuing over and over. And so, what I'd like to do at this point is um, share a quote that I recently saw. Uh, and it, uh, I don't, well, I don't have exactly who said it. It was a Sufi man. <laughs> and a Sufi man uh, was asked what forgiveness is. He said, it is a fragrance that flowers give when they are crushed. And this struck such a chord when I saw it uh, for the first time a few days ago. So I wanted to bring it into the show and, you know, what a cool little synchronicity because it does tie in with, you know, dealing with suicide or being left behind. Um, You know, uh, if you can just find it in your heart to understand and to forgive and to let go, there's been people that have been through such atrocities, as we'll share a story here in a few minutes, um, that find forgiveness and love in their heart. And as a result, they sort of level up. They they go to the next greatest and grandest version of themselves. They are an example to the world of what, uh, is possible when you bring love, uh, you know, staying angry. I love one of my favorite quotes. It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Right. Um, staying angry only harms yourself. And I know, you know, um, talking about my, my brother, actually I've talked about him quite a bit on the show lately, but, um, you know, same kind of thing, having this, uh, suicide that he dealt with and, uh, You know, even uh, he's a person who internalizes a lot of things. And, you know, him and I, both as business partners, have been through some difficulties in the last year with betrayal, you know, from business partners and things like that. And um, he holds, uh, harbors a lot of anger about that. And I've really been talking to him like, you got to learn and understand that this all happened for you, not to you. It's all you know, everyone is playing a role. And when you can understand if there's anyone in your life that you need to forgive that has caused you pain, that has harmed you greatly, you know, I, I think back to the Evan Alexander interview, who, uh, you know, I also reference often on the show because it was such a profound interview. You know, he was the Harvard neurosurgeon who uh, went into a coma. Uh, you know, they told him to, they told doctors told his family to pull the plug. He, he's done. His brain is completely fried. Miraculously, he came back and uh, had a story of you know life on the other side, and um, you know what he one of the things that he talked about is those that play the villain role in your story are oftentimes your sort of closest allies on the other side. They're part of your soul family. We reincarnate in soul family, soul groups, and so those that are are you know have come and given you something to forgive, you know uh, it is uh, those people. Uh, that, that are giving you an opportunity. It's an opportunity when you can, you know, release the fragrance of flowers when something has been done to you. Those that are the most beautiful are those who have been done so wrong and still find beauty and love in, in their hearts, as opposed to what, what's the alternative, Dalian? I mean, you're going to be bitter and angry and sad and mad, and you're just harming yourself. You're, you're diminishing your own light. And instead, you know, I encourage and challenge anyone, to use it as an opportunity to uh, become more, you know, to become greater than what they were. And it, then it becomes a gift. The lump of coal becomes a gift, which we always, always talk about. It's either uh, a diamond, in the, it's a diamond in disguise, unless you don't see it that way, in which case it is, uh, it is painful. So moving right along, what I would like to do now is share uh, a clip from, this is Wayne Dyer. Uh, talking about a woman named Immaculate. Can you pronounce the last name, Dalian? Ili Illy, Begeysa. I figured Illybegeza? you're more qualified than I. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I heard it, him say it, but I was trying to remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a woman who... Uh, she was in Rwanda. There's a great genocide you may or may not know of. And this woman hid in a bathroom for three months with seven other woman, women, why people were constantly coming in and out of this house, trying to search and find them to kill them. You know, it was, it was you know, a million people genocide. And this woman has went through, I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, three, three, you know, 90 days in a bathroom with seven other women. She's five foot nine. She came out 65 pounds. Wow.
0: Let's take a listen. On the 6th of April, 1994, the president of Rwanda was in an airplane. It was a Hutu. And his plane went down. On the 7th of April, a genocide began in the country of Rwanda, a country about the size of uh, the state of Maryland, with approximately 10 million people, 9 million of them Hutus, 1 million Tutsis. A killing spree began that um, all of the uh, young men of the country over the age of 14, and all of the males and all of the Hutus were issued machetes. The country shut down. An entire country shut down. All the schools closed, all the banks closed, all the grocery stores closed, all commerce ceased, and the business of killing was underway. People were being killed by the thousands in the streets. And in the villages of this country, throughout the country, and those of you who saw Hotel Rwanda, have just seen a little tiny sliver of it. In the end, by July, after 91 days, one million people, one million people, Tutsis, were slaughtered in this racial cleansing activity that took place. And in the midst of this horror. A young woman named Immaculee Ila Begiza was a student in a college about two hundred miles from her village. Her father talked with her on the phone and persuaded her to come home. She didn't really want to go because it was Easter vacation and it's a long ride and it's uh, it, it was through buses and so on takes a long time through country roads the father said you must come home it's Easter you must come home and see your mother and your father and she said I don't know I'm not sure but she did she did what her father asked her to do and she went home and that was on the 6th or so of April and when she got there she's a Tutsi woman they had to go into hiding because the killing began almost immediately, especially in this area of Rwanda where she lived. And she went into hiding in a pastor's home, in a bathroom that is approximately three foot by four foot, with seven other women, for ninety-one days. And she came out, she's five foot nine, she came out and she weighed sixty-five pounds. And she survived through something that is so miraculous, she has written her story in a book called Left to Tell. How I discovered God in the midst of the Rwandan genocide. It was such an astonishing experience that she would survive through the force of her total belief and connection to God. It was almost as if she had to become that from which she originated. She had to learn not only what God was like in her thoughts, and when you read her book you'll be just overwhelmed. It's a page-turning book. But she had to almost learn how to be in a state of forgiveness to people who were hunting her. She lived in a house That was a two-bedroom bungalow by by standards in America, and it was searched by between three and four hundred Hutus with machetes five inches away from where she and seven other women were hiding, just looking for scraps of food in order to survive, being brought to her by the pastor. And in the home that she lived, the pastor didn't even tell his own children, because if he would, they would have been killed, because no Tutsis were spared, none. I'm going to read the introduction, and I met this woman, she came to a talk I gave and I was so deeply inspired by her transcendent connection to source energy that she was able to transcend the laws of the material world. She was literally able to face down after weighing 65 pounds in 91 days wearing the same clothes without having a bath or washing, stare down someone with God consciousness and have them drop a machete and it was unheard of. I believe that she's a saint who walks among us. I heard the killers call my name. They were on the other side of the wall. Less than an inch of plaster and wood separated us. Their voices were cold, hard and determined. She's here. We know she's here somewhere. Find her. Find Immacule, they were saying. There were many voices and many killers. I could see them in my mind. My former friends and neighbors, who had always greeted me with love and kindness, now moved through the house calling my name while carrying spears and machetes. I've killed 399 cockroaches, said one of the killers. Immaculée will make 400. It's a good number to kill. I cowered in the corner of our tiny secret bathroom without moving a muscle. Like the seven other women hiding for their lives with me, I held my breath so the killers wouldn't hear me breathing. Their voices clawed at my flesh. I felt like I was lying on a bed of burning coals, like I'd been set on fire. A sweeping wind of pain engulfed my body. A thousand invisible needles were ripping into me. I never dreamed fear could cause such agonizing physical pain. I tried to swallow, but my throat closed up. I had no saliva. My mouth was drier than sand. I closed my eyes and tried to make myself disappear, but their voices just grew louder. I knew they would have no mercy. My mind echoed with only one thought, if they catch me, they will kill me. If they catch me, they will kill me. They were just outside the door, at any second they would find me. I wondered what it was going to feel like when the machete slashed through my skin and cut deep into my bones. I thought of my brothers and my dear parents, wondering if they were dead or alive, and if we would soon be together in heaven. I put my hands together, clasped my father's rosary and began to pray. Please, God, please, please help me. Do not let me die like this, not like this, not not, not like this. Don't let these killers find me. You tell us in the Bible that if we ask, we will receive. Well, God, I'm asking. Please make these killers go away. Please don't let me die in this bathroom. Please, God, please. The killers moved from the house and we all began to breathe again. They were gone, but they would be back many times over the next three months. I believed God had spared my life, but I would learn over the next 91 days as I hid trembling in fear with seven women in a three foot by four foot bathroom that being spared is much different than being saved. But I did learn it. And it was a lesson that has forever changed me. A lesson that in the midst of mass murder taught me how to love those who hated and hunted me and how to forgive those who slaughtered my family. My name is Immaculee Ilabagiza. And this is the story of how I discovered God during one of history's bloodiest genocides. So yeah,
1: Immaculate, what an incredible story, what an inspiring story, Dalian. I mean, if she can if she can forgive, uh, anyone can forgive, right? It's almost like an very similar to an Anne Frank kind of story, right? Yeah, and so what? Instead of it being this thing that devastated her and she's filled with hate and anger and you know all these things, she has she you know quoted Anne Frank in the in the video, you know, who said, "I believe all people they're they're intrinsically good. They don't know what they're doing. They're or they're playing a role." You know, it think it makes me think of. uh the flip side documentary that I talked about recently on the show, uh, which I saw on Gaia uh, TV and it was, you know, people going into past life regression and remembering their time in concentration camps and how, um, you know, how uh, the offenders, the people that actually, put them into the concentration camp. This one woman, when she was on the other side, after being gassed, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I got to be the victim instead of the perpetrator because the perpetrator's souls are the ones that really suffer, uh, uh, you know, kind of performing this act. And you can, from the other side, she could see this sort of... Um, the sole contract or arrangement that they would play these these roles with each other. And it's uh, it just brings so much perspective when you can understand that it's everyone that has done any kind of awful thing to you is doing it for you. It's happening for you and not to you. And it's it's all the difference.
2: Yeah, because it's either this the sort of thing that, you know, breaks you and makes you, yeah, extremely bitter for the rest of your days, or it produces that sort of transcendent opening, right? When it comes to these sort of things, that's, you know, just hearing hearing you talk about earlier about the whole thing, it made me think that, uh, yeah, there is a binary duality there at the core of really our human experience or maybe the universal paradigm. The whole thing between love and its opposite, which, you know, we understand not to be evil, really, but to be fear, right. which is the opposite of... Right. Fear is ultimately what engenders evil, but evil by itself isn't really anything... Uh, ultimately, real, save for it being sort of like an extreme manifestation of fear, you could say. Right. But um, yeah, that's what we, that's the way that we understood it. With, that's what, you know, I read it in conversations with God many years ago, right? And right. Um, I, I think that was the first place that I ever saw that definition, but it seems to, you know, it seemed instantly to be true. And I say the whole binary duality because the one other thing that I remember, of course, is that in human experience, there's many. Things that are, you know, varying shades in between the two, I suppose you could say, or very, you know, very things that are many things that are uh, not necessarily black and white, of course. And uh, the whole reductionist black and white thinking is one of the things that we can be guilty of. But it's true that there is that sort of elemental kind of, you know, opposition at the, at the core of everything really between love and fear and it's ultimately our choice. Yeah.
1: It's always the choice, right? And, uh, I, I really love the quote. Um, the crack is where the light enters and, you know, of course the light only enters if you allow it to enter. And if you can move through your hate and release your hate and release your anger and you know, release your resentment that is going to, uh, bring you into another level of your being. So, Alright, well, Dalian, looks like we're running out of imaginary time for today. Thank goodness there's much more where that came from, so we will be back. Um, what do we have queued up in way of some music for the listeners to enjoy?
2: I found this artist, Brandon, that uh, I think I'd heard before, but I rediscovered one of his tracks again. Boston-based, ambient indie electronic artist Helios. Oh, cool. According to Spotify, is uh, Keith Kenneth, is his real name, a Berkeley College of Music student. Who also gone under the moniker Goldman. I'm going to have to check that out, actually. But Helios, he released, um, un- under the name Helios, he released an album called Ayres, uh, A-Y-R-E-S. Mm-hmm. And this is a track, the first track off of there called uh, A Rising Wind. Ah,
1: well, hope you all enjoy. Have a lovely day.